welcome to our Midtown Midweek Podcast, a resource to further equip you to be with Jesus and be more like Him as we continue the conversation from Sunday's teaching. I'm Jake Blair, the Director of Equipping here. And what you see on Sundays is a 40-minute sermon. In the case of this pandemic, it's more like 20 to 25 minutes. But what you don't see are the weeks and weeks of studying and prayer and conversations that our pastors go through before each Sunday sermon. And there are times where we have Bible content that we really like, but for the sake of time or flow of the sermon is left on the cutting room floor. So what we wanted to do with our time with this podcast is look back at the passage, unpack it a bit more and ask ourselves how we can apply this to our lives. So with me here in our little studio is Tim Olson. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Going good. Tim, introduce yourself for our audience here. Yeah, so I uh, am a church planter at our downtown church. Uh, been around since, I guess, part two since May of 2017. My wife and I were here in college and then came back around. Uh, most recently, about to become a lead pastor of a new church plant called Citizens Church, which is being sent out from Midtown to the city of Charlotte coming up this summer. Tim just preached for us on Sunday, and he did First Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 and chapter three, verses 14, 15. This was the intro sermon of the series, and y'all may not know this, but First Timothy is Tim's baby. He brought this forth. The, the main point of the passage was we are to defend the truth and we want to be people of love. And often we think love in terms of simply emotions or feelings, but the biblical call to love is right doctrine, right thinking leads us when practiced correctly to becoming people of love to reflect God in that way. And there was a lot of stuff that as we were looking in teaching team that didn't make the cut. So Tim, I'm gonna pass it off to you. What didn't make the final cut of the sermon? Yeah, so one of the things is we've kind of been thinking about this whole series that has really been exciting to me is just the entire story of the church of Ephesus. So you have several churches in the New Testament that seem to have some amount of prominent place in the narrative. So you have uh, the church uh, in Jerusalem, right? This, this Jewish church that kind of got started. You have the church at Rome, but then you also have the church of Ephesus is a big one. And so just thinking about as we're talking about false teaching and false doctrine and warnings against false teachers, just how prevalent that is throughout the story of Ephesus throughout the New Testament. So just to even kind of give you a, a framework for it. So in, in somewhere between Acts uh, AD 52 and AD 54, you have Paul planting the church at Ephesus. You see that in Acts 19, he plants there. Uh, and you have a bunch of riots over them being upset that, that people aren't buying sacrifices to fake idols anymore. Like you have this whole riot breakout. So even from the very beginning, there's problems around false teaching. And then three years, three years later in 57 AD, Paul warns the elders at the church Hey, wolves are going to come in. They're going to start leading people astray. You need to defend the sheep. You need to care for the flock, lead them towards right living, right doctrines. Three years later, he's already warning them. Five years after that, 62 AD, you have him writing the book of Ephesians, his first letter to the church at Ephesus, where he tells them, hey, God has given you uh, Ephesians 4, 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He says the whole goal is that they'll equip the saints to grow up into maturity so they won't be thrown off by false teaching by every wind of doctrine, yeah. as he calls it. So you have that two years later, we have what we talked about on Sunday, First Timothy 1, warnings against false teachers, tell them to stop teaching what they're teaching. Three years later, he writes Second Timothy, the second letter to Timothy at the church of Ephesus says, hey, it's spreading. I told you, watch out for false doctrine. And then what I love, what's so interesting is you actually have kind of the conclusion of the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. So in those seven letters, 
in the beginning of Revelation, Revelation chapter two, you have the disciple John writing to the church at Ephesus. And what you see there is that he says, hey, you've done a good job defending against false teaching. You've actually done a good job pushing back, not bearing with false idols, not bearing with those who do evil. But then John says, here's the problem. You've done all of that, but you've forgotten your first love, Jesus himself. And so even with that, that correlation between right teaching, right doctrine and love and how they were so focused on the one, they missed the other, but you can, you can go either side of it. And so I think I'm so compelled by it. Paul just kept saying, worry about this, figure out this, fight against this because we need to be people of love. And then they finally get it, they fight against it and miss that right teaching was supposed to lead them to love. You can go off either way. I don't think I, I realized that the book of Ephesians was written for that church. And then two years later, here comes First Timothy. So Ephesians, lots of doctrine, just jam-packed. Yeah. And then two years later, Paul's having to remind them. Doctrine, though. Yeah. Teaching. Yeah, that's good. Talk about the speculations versus stewardship paradigm that you wanted to throw into the sermon. Yeah, so this is one that made it all the way up to, so we, uh, for the pre-recorded sermons, we record on Thursday. Am I allowed to say that? This behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, we record on Thursday. This isn't uh, live. No, and, no. and we do teaching team on Tuesdays. And so all the way up until the Tuesday before the Thursday that I preached, I was obsessed with this idea from verse four, where Paul says, their false teaching promotes speculations and our teaching promotes stewardship from God that is by faith. And so there's a sense in which right doctrine, the truths of God's scripture are a stewardship. And that was even that piece kind of, I think we even talked about this in teaching team where where the goal is that God's kingdom would spread, right? That's the goal of the church. God, God's plan A for the church is to spread his kingdom and spread his name and his fame and his glory across the world. And so right teaching is a stewardship, something to be used. And so we, one of the, the indicators, Paul says, that we know if we're teaching the right thing or not, is is it causing us to be stewards or speculators? Uh, one of the people on our teaching team, I think it was, it was Lizzie, talked about how another way to think about this is analyze versus participate. Are we just sitting around analyzing? Are we just sitting around talking? Are we just sitting around uh, saying a lot about nothing? Or are our discussions, are our uh, life group sermon discussions, scripture discussions, are engaged the hard times? Are they sitting around just kind of babbling and talking? Or are they actually producing in us a stewardship of love where we actually grow more and more stewarding the things of God to be a people that love God and love others? And so I just, I love that. That's just a clear indicator of what am I doing with these teachings? And what does that say about whether they're right teachings or or wrong teachings. I love that too, because there is so much to study about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've been studying the Bible for years and years and on a regular basis, still learning new things about the Bible. And yet, does this move me to become a person of love or not? Second question for you, how did studying this passage impact you? So like I was saying, you brought out the the first Timothy series, you kind of sketched it all out for us. So first Timothy has been on your mind for six months, maybe. Quite a while. Yeah. And you were preparing this sermon in particular for a couple months at yeah. least. So how mm -hmm. did how did studying this passage over the last couple months shape you? Yeah. So I think particularly uh Again, this is another thing that got cut was that First Timothy 1, 5. It's hard to only preach 25 minutes. You got so much you want to say, you know, and so much good. Uh, but where he talks about the, the aim of our charge, so he says, all the false teachings says the aim of our charge, right doctrine is love. And he says three things about that love. He says love that issues from a pure heart, love that from, comes from a good conscience, and love that comes from a sincere faith. And so uh, I think it was, was one of the commentators I was reading broke down those three in just a really impactful way 
to me. And so he said, uh, first, love that comes from a pure heart, not sinful desires. So love that is after God's glory, not our own glory. Like you can do a lot of the same acts of love, but you're, are you doing them for the good of the other person, for their, for God's glory, for their good? Or are you doing it for your own good, that you look good, that you look good before others? Uh, love that comes from a good conscience, not guilt and shame. So love because we've been set free, not to be set free. I think, um, can't do a podcast without bringing the Enneagram into it, right? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can cut this part. Just go for it. It's a post-editing cut. Uh, But I think you run into this a lot with my Enneagram 2 friends. Like they love serving and it's such a great heart. But what it can happen is they can be driven by a a desire to serve, not for the good of others, but to feel needed and to feel Mm -hmm. useful. And so it's it's, it's, uh, out of guilt and shame, right? I think in some way they're not doing it to necessarily because they consciously know that but because they're trying to fill up within themselves something that's lacking. Paul says, no, it comes from a good conscience, a clean, clear conscience before the Lord. And then the third is love from a sincere faith, not pretense and hypocrisy. So love that comes from a deep awareness of God's approval, not to earn God's approval or to look good to man, but from a sincere faith, a genuine, I believe in Jesus, I've been changed by Jesus and I want to love others. And so that's been a good check for my own heart of what is driving my love. I think about being a person of love, which God calls us to be, what's driving it? Am I driven by trying to fill up something that's lacking inside of myself, whether that be approval, whether that be uh, the need to be needed, or am I doing it because I've been changed by Jesus? Yeah, that's good. Even thinking about Tim Keller talks about self-forgetfulness when you Mm -hmm. are so enamored by God's love, you just lose yourself. So I'm serving someone not to get this emotional spark or need fulfilled in me, I've actually forgotten about me because Mm. I'm so focused on the other. Yeah. It's that idea of humility, right? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. Um, That you just take yourself out of the picture, which is hard, hard for all of us to do. Um, That's good. Yeah. Final question for you, Tim. Any follow-up questions people might have from the sermon? So usually when we are mapping out sermons, we're trying to expect people's objections and questions, but for the sake of time, we just couldn't really spell that out as much as we want to. What questions do you think would come to mind from your sermon? So I think uh, what would be the specific scenarios where this would play itself out, right? So we talked about defending the truth, defending right doctrine. We talked about uh, fighting and pushing back against false teaching, lies, deceit, all of that. And I think on a personal level, it, it makes some amount of sense, right? Preach the gospel to yourself. Uh, you and I talked about this, all the resources that we have for people with this series, the scripture reading plan, the prayer prompts, all of that. It's such an, a good way to fight against our own deceptive ideas and lies that we believe. But what do you do when the rubber hits the road in life group time? Like, what do you do when you're sitting in life group and somebody says something that you know is off. Like, how do you know, is this something I step in about or not? Is this something that I, I push back against or not? Uh, and I think what's what's so helpful to think about is 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, wage the good warfare. He doesn't just say wage warfare. He doesn't just say, you know, start shooting your guns. He says, wage the good warfare. And the, yeah. the good warfare is the gospel warfare, right? Are we fighting for the truth of the gospel? Or are we fighting for our preferences? And and that's that's hard to because they feel they both feel important, right? They both feel like this is something I need to say because they said something that was off. But just having that filter of, hey, is that thing that that person in our life group time? Hey, who are they? First of all, who are they? Right? So are they uh, someone who's just checking out Jesus, asking questions, wrestling? You're even going to respond differently if that, or are they a mature believer who's been walking with Jesus for ten years, whatever? So you got to think who's the person. 
what's the environment? And then also think, okay, is what they are saying detrimental to the spiritual health of the group? Or do they just say something that I just don't really like? So let's say a life group leader is leading sermon discussion time. They throw a question out. Someone says something to the effect of, yeah, I don't really like that illustration that was used. I don't think that was the most effective. Is that something to wage warfare on? I'd say probably not because this person's just talking about their preferences. But let's say life group leader doing sermon discussion says something that is theologically correct and someone in the group disagrees completely. That would be an issue where you have to wage some good warfare. Part of it, like you were saying, is where is their relationship with Jesus? Let's say they are a believer. What is your relationship with them? Let's say you know them pretty well, have a good friendship with them. You would probably call that person out probably on the spot and ask them a question like, tell me what you mean by that. And let them talk. And at a certain point, just correct them by saying, well, what do you think about this verse or this passage? This passage seems to disagree with your viewpoint. What are your thoughts on that? But if this person is not a follower of Jesus, I think asking them, hey, that's a really interesting point. I'd love to talk with you more about that later. Or let's say they are a follower of Jesus, but you don't really have a good relationship with them. I think also following up saying, hey, that's, a, that's interesting. You mind if we talk about that later? And I think those who are in the life group who have some sharp discernment can kind of pick up on the context clues to know, yeah, that was off. And my life group leader is going to be addressing that later. Is that? Yeah, I think that's really, that's really helpful. And I think part of that is even uh, if you're not in a position of leadership, that is, that is where you especially need, if you're in a position of leadership, I think you got to be thinking about this with your people. If you're not in a position of leadership, you got to think about how are you approaching the person that is in leadership over you, right? So uh, if you are currently experiencing frustrations or agitations with your life group leader, are you, and you're ready to <laughs> wage warfare, right? Are you mad because maybe they're leading the group a little differently than you want them to, or maybe they just are prioritizing a few different things. You got to differentiate. Am I, am I upset because some preferences? I just wish we kind of did things a little differently. Or am I upset because I think that they're not actually pushing us towards the gospel? And that, that's, those are different things. And oftentimes we, we conflate or inflate things that are preference battles and annoyance battles for what are actually gospel battles. And so we don't actually get to fight good gospel, good warfare, because we're too busy arguing over semantics and things that we, not true gospel battles, doctrine battles, but just things that are preferences for us that we just wish were a little more catered to us. Yeah. And I think the how you are able to distinguish that is with my preferences, uh, with what is happening, are we actually being shaped into people of love that are looking like Jesus? Or is it just, I like my way of doing things and they're not doing my way of doing things. And I just need to die to myself and my wants and my preferences. I need to forget about myself, take the focus off of me. I like my preferences, but also I see they're doing a good job and people are looking more like Jesus through it. All yeah. right. I just need to die to myself and be quiet. Yeah. Am I arguing over the finish line I think we're headed towards? Am I arguing over because I wanted to take a different path? Yeah. Right. Yeah. To conclude our time, Tim, anything you want to promote? Totally. www.citizencharlotte.com backslash gift. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's G-I-V-E. Gift. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. No, I think 
genuinely, I mean, you, you already said this, we've put in months of work and effort towards this first Symphony series. So we were planning on doing this this summer anyways. I think Adam talked about that in the announcement video on Sunday. But we like, this was our goal. We were praying towards this, pushing towards this to set both Midtown up well and Citizens Church up well for what does it mean to be the church? And so I, I genuinely think all of the resources we're doing, this podcast, the prayer plan, the script, the scripture plan, Wednesday morning prayer, all of that, this is, this is a wonderful opportunity, even though we're separate, we're still the family of God. And so taking advantage of those resources to continue to grow in our knowledge of that we're not physically meeting for quote unquote church on Sundays, we're still the church, we're still the family and the people of God. And so I'd say even as we're starting this series, dive into those resources, be about those resources. Uh, if you, especially if you don't have a Bible reading plan already, hop on this one, deep dive. Um, I think it's going to be really, really helpful for us as a church. I'm excited about it. Yeah. And we're super excited for you to send you all out at the end of the series. It's going to be backslash give. Right. G-I-V. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.